do want to begin with a bit of a caveat, and um, I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to step on anyone's toes, but it's okay because Jason actually said the same thing to me yesterday when, I, when he said, when we were talking about this. Um, but I want to give a caveat because I know that I'm up here, I'm a woman, and I'm going to be teaching about a woman from the Bible. So I, you know, I, want, I don't want the gentleman to check out. So if you're a gentleman in here and uh, your, your temptation is to go, okay, this is a message for the women. It's not. I would love to encourage and empower every woman here because I believe in that. But I also believe that this message is for every man here as well. So please don't check out just because I'm teaching about a woman because it's for you too, gentlemen. Okay? Okay? If you, if you got, felt like your toes were stepped on, just pull them in. It's okay. You'll be all right. All right. Okay, so we're in the book of Judges, chapter 4, and I want to look at verses 4 through 7 first. So, Gabby, if you've got that. Oh, look at that. Awesome. There it is. Thank you, Gabby. All right, so uh, verse 4 through 7 says, Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, by the way, I'm going to stop right there. Yes, she had a husband, a husband who apparently was not threatened by her role. Um, The wife of Lapidoth, I guess is how you say it, was leading Israel at that time. That leading has a note there because it's sometimes translated as judging. So we can say leading or judging. Uh, She held courts under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali. There's a lot of funny words for you. And said to him, the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, go and take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. That sounds awesome. Let me give you a little backstory there. So um, at that time... Israel did have judges, but they were being oppressed by the king of the Canaanites, who was King Jabin, and the leader of his army was called Sisera. So the name of the leader of the army was Sisera. Jabin is the king. They were being oppressed by this group. They were, you know, free and sovereign, but they were being oppressed by this group. So um, I want to dig into this a little bit, but I want to give you the first point first. These are lessons that we can learn from Deborah. Real simple message right there. Lessons from Deborah. So the first one is know your role. Okay, so if you're taking notes, you can write that down. Know your role. Now here's what we learn about Deborah from this. So we see that she was a leader, and we also see that she was a prophetess. She's described as both. So she was a judge, leader, prophetess. She knew exactly who she was. We see that she's even got her own little place where she's holding court. She knows exactly who she is and who the Lord has called her to be. She's not trying to be her husband. She's not trying to take his role. She's also not trying to take someone else's role, which is Barak. In fact, the Lord gives her a word and says, deliver this word to Barak. Now, Barak is the leader of the Israelite army. So Deborah is giving him this word and giving him this role not herself. She didn't try to swoop in and say, oh, well, you know what? I think that maybe this is actually something that I need to do. She didn't try to say, I think this is something my husband needs to do. She didn't say to the Lord, you know, I don't think Barack is capable of handling this. Maybe somebody else should get it. She knew that her job was to be a leader, that her job was to be a judge and a prophet. And she got this word from the Lord and she delivered it to Barack. So she knew exactly who she was and exactly what her role was in this, in this instance and in this circumstance. Now, why is that important? Well, because if we don't know who we are, we find ourselves operating in things that are not for us. 
Deborah's job was to do this. Barack's job was to do that. Everyone else in this story has a role that they have to fulfill. Whether they do or not changes the outline of the story. So this is a woman who knows her place, and she knows her place because of her intimacy with the Lord. This is how we know what our role is. Do you know who the Lord is? Do you know who the Lord says you are? And that's where it comes from. So when, it talk, when we come to talking about knowing your role, the key to knowing your role is knowing the Lord and knowing what he says to you. Not what the world expects of you, not what other people expect of you, not what culture expects of you, but knowing the Lord and knowing him intimately enough to know that when he tells you, go here, do this, do that, that that's who you are. Now that sounds super simple. I get it. Sounds so easy. But how many know that that's easier said than done? Um, what's even more important than Deborah knowing what her role is, is knowing what it's not. Um, when the Lord gives her message, uh, when, her, when the Lord gives her message to give to Barack, she doesn't try to take that role. Now, this really requires us to know exactly what we're hearing. Um, we need to be clear on what's not for us. It's easy to look around at other people's roles and feel inadequate in ourselves. Um, this is something that I know I've struggled with. I've seen other people struggle with it. We've been in ministry a long time. I've seen, especially with young people, we did youth ministry, we did college ministry. We've seen people struggle with this because oftentimes society tells us that we have to act a certain way or be a certain way or behave a certain way to be successful. Um, I'll just give you a little example. You guys know my husband, right? Of course you know my husband because, because he can talk to anybody. He can go to Kenya, he can go to the tribes, he can go to the poorest of the poor, he can go to the richest of the rich, he can talk to the hippies at Bonnaroo, he can talk to the homeless on Skid Row, he can talk to the, the brokers on Wall Street, and everybody is, he's everybody's friend. I swear, if aliens landed, Jason Ford would be their first friend. <laughs> it's amazing. I've always admired that. In fact, that's one of the reasons why we connected together, because I could just sit and listen to him talk. It was great. I didn't have to say anything. I didn't have to do anything. I, on the other hand, I struggle with that. In fact, some of you guys are victims of my uh, social awkwardness. Um, my attempts at small talk are not pretty. I will go ahead and tell you that. But <laughs> the point is, I have tried for years to be better at that because sometimes leadership will tell you, you need to be more social because sometimes People will tell you, you ought to be more outgoing. Because sometimes people will tell you, this is who you're supposed to be. This is how successful people are. Win friends and influence people, right? But how many of you guys know that God is not in the business of winning friends and influencing people? God is in the business of advancing the kingdom. And sometimes that role in the kingdom doesn't look like success in the world. And yes, it's good to be excellent in the things that you do. But every time I've tried to be someone else, I have fallen on my face. And I was kind of getting grumpy with this about the Lord not too long ago. And finally, he just dealt with me outright and said, that's just not you. That's not who you are. But that's okay because a difference is not a weakness. Because we need people who can be evangelists, but we also need people who can be teachers. We need prophets. We need leaders. We need people who can put out chairs. We need people who can do every single one of those things. And your strength is not going to be the strength of the person next to you. And no matter what the world says, it doesn't have to be. So we need to recognize the calling that God has on us and we need to move in it. All right. The next point is know your mission. And Gabby, if you'd pull up Judges 4, 8 through 10. 
Know your mission. Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah, but because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours. For the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. There Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali, and 10,000 men went up under his command. Deborah also went up with him. Know your mission. When Deborah told Barak the Lord's message, she was sure. She knew what the Lord had told her. Barak was not sure. He said, I don't know. I'll go if you go with me. Now, first of all, that, that really speaks to her leadership because the, here's the leader of the Lord's army, the Israelite army. This is the leader, and he said, I'm not going to go unless you go with me. That's, that's powerful. But instead of backing down, Deborah could have said, you know, if you're too scared to go, maybe it's just not right. Deborah could have said, that's not my job. That's your job. See you bye. She could have sent him on his way. They could have canceled the whole thing. But instead she said, okay, I'll go. But I'm telling you, you're not going to get the glory now. A woman's going to get the glory. But I'll go with you. I don't know if you've ever been in a circumstance where you felt like you were obeying the Lord, but then it didn't go the way you wanted it to. Maybe the Lord told you to go on a mission trip. Maybe he told you to move to a certain city. Maybe he told you to take a job in a certain place. And once you did it, suddenly things were not quite right. You started encountering warfare, started encountering problems, or maybe it just started to unravel and fall apart. And you have two choices in that moment. That's happened to me a lot. In fact, it's happening to me currently with one thing I thought the Lord told me to do. So I have two choices right now. Do I abandon it? Oh, it must not have been the Lord. I heard him wrong. That wasn't right. Something's wrong. Something's the matter. This isn't the Lord. Abandon everything. Or do I stick with it? Do I trust the Lord? And this is where it comes from. When you know your mission and you know your message, you have to be able to trust the Lord to see it through, even when it doesn't look exactly the way you thought it was going to look. Because sometimes things are going to get bumpy before they get better. Because sometimes the Lord's waiting to see your faithfulness. So when you are so trusting of the Lord, this is the key to this one here. Know your message, but here's the key to it, is trusting the Lord enough that when things get rough, when things get scary, when things don't work out exactly as planned, you can follow through with it. And that's what Deborah does. She follows through even when Barak says, I'm not going to go unless you go with me. Deborah didn't have to go with him. That was not her role. But she said, I believe the word of the Lord and I trust the Lord. So I will go with you. Amen? Y'all so quiet. I need to make Emily laugh again. Okay. All right. Uh, number three, know your timing. And Gabby, if you'll pull up Judges 4, 12 through 16. Know your timing. When they told Sisera that Barak, son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera summoned from, a long Hebrew word I can't pronounce, to the Kishon River and all his men and 900 chariots fitted with iron. Then, Bar then Deborah said to Barak, go, 
This is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. Barak pursued the chariots and army as far as that place. And all Sisera's troops fell by the sword. Not a man was left. Y'all got to have grace with me. I was an English teacher, not a Hebrew one. So I can't do, I can't do it. <laughs> It'd sound like a sneeze if I did it, speaking in tongues. All right, so Deborah and Barak and the army went up to, uh, they went up to the mountain and they waited. They waited and they waited and they waited. They waited for what? For the word of the Lord. Deborah waited until she heard the, the Lord say, go, today's the day. Now, here's why I believe some of you guys need to hear this. Some of you guys, I think, are going up the mountain with the Lord. He's about to take you up the mountain and you're going to have to know your role, and you're going to have to know your mission, and you're going to have to know the timing, because the Lord's about to say, go. So they didn't go in their own strength. They didn't use military strategy. They weren't plotting out things. What they did is they went up the mountain, and they waited on the Lord. When he said go, they went, and the Lord routed them. The army fell. They won the battle. Hooray. Awesome. It's really important that we know our timing. And how do we do that? This is the key to that. Knowing the timing is about staying focused. I've heard it said before, you probably have too, that if the enemy can't have your soul, he's going to distract you and keep you busy. Because if we're busy looking over here, looking over there, looking at this thing, looking at that thing, looking at social media, looking at our numbers, if we're busy by busyness of the world, I got to get this job, I got to earn this paycheck, I got to do this thing, this thing, this thing, this thing. We are so busy and distracted that we're missing what's right in front of us. The Lord is speaking to us, He's right in front of us, and He's wondering when we're going to respond. We need to know our timing, and in doing that, what we do is we are paying attention. We've got to get in that stance, that position of being ready before the Lord. I'm not much of an athlete, but I've heard athletes compare it to being, you know, on a sports team. And if you're, if you're playing football and you're lining up, are they, like, if they're in a line, they're not just standing there like this. Okay, they're, they've got that position. They're ready. Okay, they don't know when the ball is going to snap, but they're ready. That's the way we need to be with the Lord. We need to be ready and waiting on his word. And when he says go, we hear it loudly enough that we can go. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end this story. Well, I'm not quite ready to end, but uh, sort of. Uh, I want to talk about the end of this story. Um, because there's one other woman in this story who manages to line up all of these things. She knows her role. She knows the mission. And she knows her timing. And she is the end of this story. But I want to talk about her because I really just love her. She's awesome. I look up to her. So we see that Sisera flees. He gets away while the rest of the army is getting taken out. Well, he flees to the countryside and goes to the tent of this family that he's got some connections with and some allies with. He goes in this tent, and there's a woman there. She's a tent maker. She's like a, house, like a homemaker. You know, she's a housewife. I'm a homemaker. I feel that. So she's just doing her thing. She knows her role. She's doing what she's supposed to do. And Sisera comes in her tent. She, she recognizes who he is. Okay, I know who this guy is. Sure, come in. Sit down. Here's a nice cozy chair. You want some water? Here's some water. You want some refreshments? Here's some refreshments. Here's a blanket. 
and he falls asleep. And then she takes a tent peg and a hammer and hammers it through his skull because she knows her role, she knows her mission, and she knows her assignment. That's JL. I would encourage you, go back and read the rest of of Judges chapter 4. That's JL. Now here's a woman in the countryside, and she is just a housewife. She's taking care of the flocks. She's making the meals. She's doing all of the housewife work for her husband, but she knows her assignment. And when Sisera walks in her tent, she knows what she has to do. And she doesn't wait. She hears the Lord, and she takes authority. And you know what? She becomes a hero. She is a sung hero. You've heard of unsung heroes. She becomes a sung hero. Judges chapter 5 is all this song that Deborah and Barak sing. And guess who's the hero of their story? J.L. This little housewife in the countryside who got the glory for winning the battle because she killed the commander, because she knew these things. She knew what her role was. She wasn't looking to be out in the fields. Oh, let me go at him. I think I can take some out. She wasn't going out into the fields. She was in her place doing her role. And the Lord showed up and said, here you go. Here's your chance. So I want to remind you because some of you may be thinking, I'm not Deborah. I'm not Barack. I'm not a pastor of a church. I'm not a missionary. I'm not one of these five-fold ministers. I don't, I don't meet one of those. I'm just a student or I'm, you know, I'm just working a nine-to-five right now. I don't really know what my place in the world is. But let me tell you, there's no small call in the kingdom of God. There's nothing so small that God cannot use you. The world might say what you do is not really that big of a deal. It may say your place is not really that significant. There is no small call in the kingdom and that's what our, our focus for success is on the kingdom of God. And I'm going to bring up one more thing because I didn't realize it until last night. I was laying there thinking about this, and today is Palm Sunday. Didn't even think about that. Of course, you guys probably knew that. But I wasn't, it didn't even strike me. But today's Palm Sunday, and I didn't bring you a Palm Sunday message, but there's a Palm Sunday tie-in because there's one more person who knew these three things. And as he walked into, or rode into Jerusalem, he didn't walk, he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey with his admirers shouting, Hosanna, throwing palm branches down. This man knew his role. He knew that he had come as the savior of the world. He knew his mission and his mission was to die. He knew that he was the sacrificial lamb. And he knew the timing. The timing is now, the Passover, this is my time. And if he hadn't walked in those things, where would we be? He understood those things, and they came out of a place of intimacy with the Lord, knowing the Lord, knowing what the Lord said about him, listening to Father God and only doing what he said. They came in a place of knowing exactly what the mission was, even when it didn't look the way he wanted it to look, even when it was hard, even when he struggled in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying and he's sweating blood. Even when it's hard, he knew the mission. And he knew that timing, that beautiful fullness of time that we hear so much about this time of year, the way that everything came together to glorify God in the kingdom. He knew those things. So to be like Deborah is to also be like Christ. To be like Jael is to also be like Christ. That's what we're called to. So I want to encourage you today. There's some of you, the Lord is about to take you up to your Mount Tabor, and he's about to release you. And so I feel like this is a timely message for you. If you're feeling that, that you need to get settled, know who you are, know your role, know what your mission is. 
get before Lord, get your face before the Lord so that you can be in that such a close place of intimacy with him that there is no doubt left in you. And then when he says go, you're ready to go. Amen? Amen. 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 All righty. Thank you. You want your notes? No. Awesome. Was that good, guys? Come on, man. You know, I like to brag on my wife. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, I want to just, uh, just say, drop a few things here. She said, just to remind us all, you know, because sometimes we can catch ourselves not listening. Maybe we need a little reminder. I know I do. I take notes sometimes on my phone. Uh, let me just remind everybody of this. First off, you know, as I was sitting here thinking about what she was saying and uh, thinking about life and, you know, kind of how some of those things apply to my life, I just want to say to you guys, it's all going to work out. And I really feel like somebody needs to hear that today. If what I found is in this faith walk that I've been in, some of you have been in it a lot longer than me and some of you are brand new to it. If you just keep going you just don't stop. Just don't listen to the lies of the enemy or your own flesh and your own mind that things aren't going to work out and everything's falling apart. I can't tell you how many times I've got myself worked up over the years when I, things weren't working the way I thought that I just thought everything's just going to fall apart. But beloved, but, but beloved, let me tell you this. Beloved, let me tell you this. If you just keep going, and you just don't quit, it's going to work out. Things are going to work out. Amen. I want to say something here. She said, know your mission and don't let the world define success. And you know, that's so important. And if there's parents in here that have kids around the age of 18 to, we'll say, 22, I want to remind you of that. Because, see, here's the deal. We all want our children to be successful parents, but sometimes the way we define success may not be the way what God's called them to do. So quit putting your burdens on them and let them live their life. And I'm a father to three kids, and I think about these things. Because... You know, in my life, you know, everything was going fine in my world. I'd straightened up. I was living for God. Me and my wife had gotten married. Uh, we didn't have kids yet, but we were loving the Lord and going to church. And I had a good job and was doing better. She had a good job and she was doing better. And then one day God started stirring my heart that I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing anymore very much longer. And then one day God started stirring her heart saying she wouldn't be doing anything any, much any longer. And, you know, I had to walk into a job where out of 300 people, I was in the top three to five salespeople every single month, making enough money that we would be fine, enjoy our life, have kids, have health insurance, have benefits. And God said, go in and quit your job. You know, sometimes things don't make sense, but I am so grateful that I quit that particular job in 2016 because since then, our family has never been hungry. We've never went without health or medical care. We've never not had, we've not had one bill that was late. And we've been in over 20 nations. 
if you continue to stay where you're at out of fear, you're never going to get where God wants you to go. If you continue to define the way your life may look successful by the standards that this world has put before you, I'm afraid you're going to be disappointed. Now, saying all that, some people are called to live very successful, what it would appear to be by the world standard, successful lives, but do it in a godly manner. So, you know, I'm not saying, hey, maybe you're called to business. Maybe you're called to be a CEO. Maybe you're called to be a lawyer. Maybe you're called to be a missionary and live in the dirt with people. Success is obedience to what God has called you to do. And many times what I was thinking about that, because I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you know, I'm a preacher. I can get up here and I can preach and God will anoint me and he'll help me and, and, and all those things. But, you know, sometimes, and I can hear God for other people a lot of times. You know, some people say, well, he's got a prophetic gift. I'd say, yes, I have a prophetic gift. I could prophesy over you right now. But you know what I found a lot of times? I find it hard sometimes to hear God for myself. And uh, not too long ago, I wasn't hearing God too clearly. And I said, God, I'm not, I'm not hearing you. I'm not feeling you. I'm not sensing you. And the first thing he said to me after about two weeks of that was good. <laughs> I didn't like that. And that's all he said. Good. I understood what it meant. I don't have to get into what it means now. But then the second thing he said is, Jason, you're, I said, well, God, I want to hear you again. He said, well, Jason, you're coming into a, a season of selfless sacrifice. And that began to make me think about obedience and sacrifice. Do you know that to bring an offering unto God and put it on an altar, there has to be, for the fire to come, there has to be a sacrifice. You know, it reminded me, Jesus said to count the cost. So this is not to scare anybody or discourage anybody who's new to the faith, but this is what I want to tell you. To follow the things of God, go ahead and get ready. It's going to be a sacrifice. You may have to sacrifice your success. You may have to sacrifice your friends. You may have to sacrifice your family. But, beloved, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if you will bring your sacrifice of obedience... Know your mission. Know your message. God's going to send the fire on that thing. God will send the fire upon your obedience. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Period. And you know what? Sometimes you get bad news. Sometimes things don't work out the way you want them to work out. I'll tell you, man. With missions and being in ministry, I, I found that out so much. I'll think things are going to go one way, and then they go a different way, and then I'll get worked up, then I'll get upset. And a matter of fact, I was doing that this past week because, you know, God's called us to live this missionary lifestyle. Well, you know, a missionary lifestyle is very interesting the way that God's called us to do it because, you know, I was fine just being right here. There's plenty of ministry to do around you can do all kinds of ministry. But God began to say we were supposed to go to other places in the states. So we've been to about 30 states, and we went all around the nation, and we've done like, is it two or three cross-country trips back and forth? Three cross-country trips back and forth since 2016 as a family, you know, thousands of miles. But then God started saying, go to Haiti. 
I'm like, Katie, go to Africa, go to India, go to Pakistan, go to England. I'm like, oh, my Lord, I got all these kids, and this costs money, and whoop, whoop, whoop. And guess what, God? I'm like, I, I might die over there. You know, I went to Haiti. The week after I left was the week that all those missionaries got kidnapped from the same city that I was in right before there. And by the way, on that trip, we got caught in traffic because there was like a roadblock, and I had to get out with my luggage and walk the streets of Hades right where all the gang activity and everything was going on, and then we had to jump on a motorcycle, and I'm riding. I'm like, is this my life? Like, I'm, I feel like I'm in a Jason Bourne movie. I like those movies. I got a little prophetic, I've got a little prophetic word about uh, that in a second for, for, the, for the church, uh, but, but I am going somewhere. Listen, I am going somewhere. I'm telling stories and I'm stirring us up and encouraging us. But you know, God's called us to go. We're leaving in a, uh, a month and we're going to be spending a month in, in the UK as a family. We're going to England and going to some other places and going to a what, what certain belief systems you would call new age belief, uh, like a Wicca, different pagan religions and stuff like that. There's a there's a main town called Glastonbury, which is in Somerset, England, and uh, we're going to actually go into that town and do some evangelism and do all kind of stuff, so God's called us, and I was kind of getting a little worked up because, you know, that costs a lot of money to do all that, and I don't have a lot of money, and uh, then nothing was landing. We were trying to look for places to stay. Nothing's landing, and I wasn't satisfied with the flights, and I was just all worked up. And I was walking around the other day, and God said, I said, God, I need to hear you on this. He said, you got to quit trying to control everything. This is the way God's talking to me lately. I'm not hearing you, God. He says, good. Then I say, God, what's next? He said, you're going to have to sacrifice yourself. Then the next thing, he says, you control too much. You try to control too much. This is the way God's talking to me right now. Thanks, God. And you know what I said? I thought, and this may be a message for some of us in, in here, when we're talking about know your mission, know your message, know where you're going. you got to quit trying to control everything. And man, when, I, when, I, when that came over me on this past week, and I said, God, you know, you're right. I lay it down. I lay my anxieties, my fear about where we're going to stay and who we're going to stay with and are we going to be safe and do we're going to have enough money. La, 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 la. I laid it all down that day, and this burden came off of me. Then last, I didn't think much about it. Then last night, I felt like the Lord said, make a little post on Facebook. Tell your U.K. friends, hey, you know, we're coming, da, da, da. This morning, I woke up to a message in a in a. Uh, uh, one of our friends over there says, hey, by the way, we're going to be out of town two of the weeks of the month you're going to be there, and we want to offer you our place for free to come live, and you can stay in our house for two weeks, and you don't have to wait. See, God already has a place prepared for you for your mission, and if you will just lay down the control and be willing to sacrifice yourself upon the altar of God's calling, he's going to provide, and he's going to send the fire, and he's already got the place prepared. I'm here prophesying this morning. I'm telling you, God's already got the place prepared for where you're going to go next, 
And some of you people in here are thinking about moving or you need a new house or you're going to a new place. And God says, I've already got it all worked out. Matter of fact, I had it worked out before you even thought about it. I got to thinking, I wonder how long my friend had these plans to go out of town for these exact two weeks, leaving almost on the day we're arriving. A few months he's had these plans. Well, I've been back here worrying about how God would provide the money to do what we needed to do. God already had a room and he had a space made out for us. Is anybody listening this morning? I said he's already got it figured out. It's such a relief. Guys, it feels so good to serve a God that's so big. You know, I was thinking that the other day. I was like, I was like, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, that's right. I don't have to have it all figured out. I don't have to do this alone because I have, we have, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and by the way, if you're not, you need to get that figured out. Come on up. Let's let's I mean, seriously, like let Daniel lead you to the Lord. You know what I mean? Seriously, if you don't know Jesus in this place today. What are you waiting on? I'm the least likely suspect to know the Lord. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. When I was in high school, I was the bad kid. When I was in the high school, I was the kid who was the, the trouble kid. Drug dealing, drug addict, alcoholic, hated God, tore up the Bible. Used to smoke weed using Bible papers as rolling papers. Messed up. Amy was an intellectual, intellectual, Christian-hating, agnostic, mix-up, everything you could think of. Don't want to have nothing to do with any kind of organized religion, and yet God chose them, chose us. So I said all that to say, if you don't know Jesus, you just need to jump on in and get, get, in, get in all this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up here, here real quick. So she said, know your mission, know your message, and know your timing. Know your mission, know your message, know your timing. I love this, what she said, what Amy said. There's no small call in the kingdom of God. I said, there's no small call in the kingdom of God. That goes back to also not letting others define your success for what you're doing for the Lord either. Not everybody's called to be a preacher. Not everybody called to, to be a Daniel. And by the way, Daniel, you're on my mind. I'm talking about you today. <laughs> this young man has got such an anointing. This dude can just, you know, say anything and people just gather to it. Tonight, we're going to learn how to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And this, I mean, you've got anointing on you, bro. And, and people have told me that. I've, I've had ministers say, you know, there are people that have gathering anointings. You're one of them. And I, ble- I, bless, you, I bless you for that, man. But, um, but anyways, I'm, I'm, going all, I'm getting, getting excited and going all over the place now. But I was, I was just going to say this. I was going to say this. Um, this would be, a, uh, I want to say, a, a word of encouragement, prophetic word of encouragement for some of us as I'm wrapping up. And Seth, if you're still here, you can come up and play. We'll give God just, just, a, just a few minutes just to maybe move, maybe touch our hearts. And I, I want to say something. What made me think about it is when I was talking about Haiti and all the crazy stuff and the different things and feeling like, man, is this a movie I'm living? 
You know that right now, all across the earth, America has assets. I don't mean monetary assets. I mean physical assets in the form of spies, central intelligence agency, CIA. Anybody here work for the CIA? Anybody? Susie does. I've been quite fascinated by the CIA, actually. I've studied all that stuff, and I get on these kicks where I'm studying all about spies and central intelligence stuff and all these cool stories and people being assets to our U.S. government and other nations. Right now, all across the world, I know for a fact it's not hard to figure out, plus I listen to a lot of retired CIA agents and listen to their stories. Right now, all across the earth, there are assets that aren't in an active mission right now but they're but they're waiting and at any moment our government can say this is what's next this is what you need to do this is what you've been trained for now is go time and when amy said when football players are in their game they're not just kind of like you know, just kind of just hang around. No, they're get ready, set, go. And this is what I want to say to this church. This is a season where you need to get ready, be ready to be launched into what God's called you to do because I believe that just like the CIA agents that are these assets that are all across the earth right now, Many of them, not in an active mission, but beloved, I'm going to go ahead and tell you when the government calls and they say, we need you in Iraq, we need you in Afghanistan, we need you in Taiwan or China or wherever, they've got to be ready for the mission or they're going to fail and they're not going to do it. Maybe you've been in a place where God's been getting you ready. And I think that's where many of us are. You have been in a place where God has been preparing you you to get ready to do the next thing you're called to do and this is what I want to say be activated in Jesus name I believe God is raising up spiritual intelligence agents from this church to be released into a mission on the earth to advance the kingdom of God for the greater good so Lord I just want to give you praise God now I pray These sleeper cells, these sleeper cells, God said there's sleeper cells in this church. They've been kind of waiting, kind of sleepy, kind of hidden. And a matter of fact, I want to say this. You have been hidden away. You have not been forgotten. God has not forgotten you in your hiddenness. He kept you in a place of hiddenness till it was time to activate. And now you'll go on your mission. And so, Lord, I thank you that from this day, you're activating the Debras. You're activating the JLs. You're activating those Davids in this house. Activate, activate, activate. Awaken. I'm speaking to your spirits this morning. And I want to say, many of you actually literally feel like you've been in a slumber. Apathy, lack of energy, lack of passion, lack of desire. God, right now, God, I break that spirit of apathy 
And I pray, oh God, that you would break every spirit of slumber. Because now is the season that we go to war. Now is the season that we will advance. And you know, I'll say this. You know, Pastor Scott recently did two messages on our spiritual weapons and spiritual warfare. If you hadn't listened to them, I want to encourage you to go listen to them. Because it's so important to be trained for the battle. And I listened to those messages, one of them twice. And all of a sudden, I was reminded of something. It's the springtime, and here he is teaching about um, going to war. You know in the Bible, you know when the kings would go to war in the Bible? Well, beloved, according to 2 Samuel 11, 1, it says, it says, in the spring when it was time to go to war. I think it's time to go to war. War for what? War for our destiny. War for our calling. War for whatever we're supposed to do. It's, it's time. It's like, it's almost like this whole past two years, this COVID thing, trying to put this big sleepy blanket, like keep everybody isolated and everybody in fear. But I think it, now it's time to get out from underneath the covers, wake up, and go into the mission. And so I just want to encourage everybody in that and just thank everybody for being here and uh, go to war. Because you know what it says right after that in 2 Samuel? The story in 2 Samuel, I believe it's chapter 11, is the story of when David sinned with Bathsheba. You know why? Because he wasn't where he was supposed to be. God's timing. God's message, God's message. See, he wasn't where he was supposed to be. So that's what I'm praying, Lord. I'm praying, Lord, that you would put us right where we're supposed to be this morning. And I want to bless these assets for the kingdom, these central intelligence officers working for the kingdom of God. I bless them. I pray they'd be activated. I pray your spirit would fall. I pray now that the fire of God would fall upon the sacrifice that they bring you. And we say, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you know, I'm pretty much done. But if you would like prayer this morning, or you want somebody just to pray over you and encourage you, maybe we could get a couple of the elders to come on up here. Sam, Key. Wendell, whoever else is here, Susie. And you, others can be released at this, at this point unless there's some other announcement, Candace. What's that? Yeah, 10 a.m. Sundays. But if you want prayer, we're going to have a few people that, that are, you know, can pray for you. They'll come up front. You can come on up. I'm done. Thanks, everybody. Love you.